Happy Valentine's Day. This is episode 31 of ShimmyCast, the podcast for fans and dancers of Middle Eastern dance, and I'm your host, Anala Rabari. For this week's episode, we have an article on photographing dancers that is written by my husband, Ryan. He's actually in the other room recording it right now. Um, a review of the CD, Balance, by Solus, and of course, event announcements and answers to the question of the week. The music for this week's show is from Solus and Mido Project, and let's get started with the answers to the question of the week. Do you dance barefoot or in shoes, and why? Halima in Ottawa, Ontario posted, I know this question was asked a long while ago, but I thought I would reply since shoes versus no shoes was a big thing for me in my journey in belly dance. And just as aside, it's never too late to answer a question. <laughs> I began dancing in 1994 and was always barefoot in class and for performances, even in restaurants. First qualifier is that the restaurant performances were amateur parties, not paid performances. I was then asked to accompany my teacher to dance in a show outside at a local museum, and we were going to be dancing on cobblestones. I realized that I could not do four different routines without some protection for me feet. <laughs> so I went out and purchased little cotton Chinese slippers, those black Mary Jane types, with the little strap across the instep and a hard brown sole. Ugly. <laughs> this was done the day before I was performing. Not a great idea. <laughs> I knew the shoes were a bit small, but the only ones available. So I got them and decorated them with a bit of silver paint. We danced, had a great time, and I was so happy to take those shoes off when we were done. <laughs> After that, I returned to my bare feet, but after attending a long day work of workshops a few years later that involved turning and spinning, I bought gymnastic slippers and use these always now, especially when I teach. Since then, I also realized the benefit of performing in shoes, and I have used Grecian sandals, Hermes sandals, strappy shoes from Globo, and my latest dance shoes are from Payless. And now decide, based on the venue, the group for which I'm performing, i.e. a Greek wedding, two-inch high-heeled dressy shoes, spiritual women's group indoors, bare feet, or slippers only. <laughs> and while not really part of the question, here are my suggestions if you are looking at using shoes for dancing. For classes, gymnastic slippers are inexpensive, easy, and portable. There are many jazz half soles, full slippers, and more. Check out a local dance shoe store or online for varieties available. If you need orthotics, think about what kind of shoe can contain them while looking good. For performing, what color will go with as many as possible? What style of dance do you perform? Do you need a light pair and a dark pair or just a gold or a silver pair to go with your outfits? Do you have shorter legs and should look at a more natural color to elongate the line? Or can you wear a fun T-strap ballroom dance shoe? So I want to thank Halima for that 
uh, post because those are that's some very good tips and suggestions and things to consider when you are looking at dance shoes. Um, yeah, I personally have never performed in shoes. I take that back. When I was in Chicago and I went to the restaurant to eat and the dancer who was performing pulled me up to dance with her. That was the first time I um, had worn shoes while I danced. And they weren't very good shoes either because they were just like my street, my street shoes. And um, horrible time trying to dance in them. Um, but lately I've been thinking more and more about trying like a Grecian sandal or Hermes sandal or something like that. So I was very interested to hear your comments on that. So, uh, last week's dance question was, or question of the week was, what kind of dance experience or movement experience have you had before belly dance that you think has helped you? And nobody bothered to answer. <laughs> I know, y'all were all busy getting ready for Valentine's. That's what it was, right? I'm sure it was. So, I will throw in my background and let you guys take what you will from it. Sorry, I had to get a sip of ice water. So anyway, in my grade school and junior high and high school years, I actually did a lot of Native American powwow dancing. Um, at that time in my life, I was very interested in Native American cultures and went to a lot of powwows and things like that. And ev And I was involved in the Girl Scouts. And that was kind of a big part of the whole camping and earning merit badges and all that kind of stuff. We did a lot of Native American studies as far as that went, too. So I did a lot of powwow dancing. And I think I've said this before, but I really think that that helped me um, with belly dancing because they're both very natural, very Native dances. And I feel they're both very freeing. Um, you don't in in powwow dancing. There's a there's a lot of jumping steps, and you know you can just let go of yourself and you get into this jumping rhythm. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen like footage of Maasai warriors from Africa who do this singing and dancing thing where they just bounce up and down and you just kind of get lost in the motion and the drumming and the singing and Native American dancing and so you really just your mind kind of goes on vacation and you just disconnect and your body is just moving and it's it's very spiritual um, feeling it's very fun and very awesome and I get that from belly dance too I think it's probably the the same type of mysticism and spiritual movement experience that like the whirling dervishes um, go for as well. But um, I see it in belly dancers and in myself as a belly dancer a lot of times when it, it seems that most of us are doing more spinning and twirling movements um, more reminiscent of the whirling dervishes. So um, I, I think that helps me with belly dancing because I knew how to let go 
of my body and just let my body move. Um, from that, aside from that, I didn't have a lot of formal training, um, from like elementary school up through high school. There was a couple of other times like for school plays or, um, other Girl Scout performances and things like that, where like I learned the Charleston and an English jig and things like that. I, I think also a lot of my former years, formative years, the training that I had in music, just learning how to count rhythms and feel rhythms has been very beneficial to me as a dancer. Um, because I understand the structure of the music that I hear, I think in a, in a different way than other dancers do that I've talked to who don't have a lot of music education. And I will say marching band helps a lot with that too. <laughs> um, as far as movement and learning how to pick up your feet and put them down to the beat, <laughs> which is an important thing when you're trying to dance. So then past that, really the only other training that I've had is, um, I had about a year and a half of ballroom dance in college. And again, that was a really fun because I, I mean, I just love dance. I will say as far as body movements, the Latin dances, as far as like the cha-cha and the samba and the rumba and things of that nature have helped me more in belly dancing because in those dances, you have to move your hips. You have to let your hips go and you have to be able to swing your hips and sway them and move them. And that really helps in belly dancing. And there have been times when I have actually incorporated some of those ballroom steps into my belly dance, particularly samba rolls. I love to do samba rolls when I belly dance. But the other thing that ballroom dance has helped me with, um, ballroom, you have to be very aware of your posture and your frame as far as, especially when you're doing partner dancing, you're actually holding on to a person because you have your dance space and they have their dance space and you can't get in each other's dance space and things like that. So the awareness and the training that I had in ballroom dance of always, you know, oh, check your posture. That actually helps helped me in belly dance too because we always start out teaching our students basic stance you know where your knees are slightly bent your pelvis is you know slightly tucked forward and your ears should be over your shoulders and your shoulders over your hips your hips over your ankles you know and and you need to have a, a tall nice posture and you need to have all of your muscle groups isolated in order to belly dance. And because of my previous dance experience, I think I had a little easier time remembering to think about my posture and just to mentally check for myself whether or not I was in a good posture. So that's my story. That's the previous experience that I've had and what I think it has helped me with in belly dance. And I, I'm very curious to hear... Um, others of you speak about what you have found to help you with your belly dance. And 
now your Simicast news. February 11th through 28th, the Billy Dance Superstars will be having performances and workshops throughout Ontario, Canada, as well as California, Washington, Indiana, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Arizona, and Louisiana. February 17th, Marisden presents A Taste of Dance in Reading, United Kingdom. February 17th, Tribal Workshop Fast and Fun in Wakanda, Illinois. February 17th through 18th, Tanya and Atlantis present the 17th Annual Belly Dancer of the Universe Competitions and International Dance Festival with vendors, two spectacular shows, 11 competitions, celebrity judges, and workshops in Long Beach, California. February 17th through 18th, Barberry Coast Shakedown with instructors Jill Parker, Rose Harden, Sarah White, Elizabeth Strong, and Myra Betts in Orlando, Florida. February 17th through 18th, Suhalia Workshop Intensive in Austin, Texas. February 18th, Gypsy Zagat Dance, Finger Symbol Dance. Workshop in Classic Egyptian Choreography in Davis, California. February 21st, Cutting Edge Belly Dance Sword Workshop in Chicago, Illinois. February 23rd, Khadija in Workshops in, Pal in Palermo, Italy. <laughs> February 23rd through the 25th, Annual Down Under Tribal Retreat Weekend in Kurumundi, Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. February 24th through March 3rd, Belly Dance Cruise on the Diamond Princess to the Mexican Riviera, featuring workshops by Rachel Lazara Soto, Princess Farhana, Jeremiah Soto, and Jim Boz. February 25th, tour to Bollywood, India, leaving from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Other states can be arranged. February 25th, brings the 15th Annual Dancers Bazaar to 260 MacArthur, Knights of Columbus Hall in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week, and as always, you can find more information about all of these events on our forum board. This week's review is of the CD Balanced by Solace, and it is reviewed by Lola S. Battling Lee, who is a new contributor to ShimmyCast. What started as a Middle Eastern album slowly turned into an amalgam of mid to far eastern sounds. Balanced by Solace is an interesting album inspired simultaneously by classic belly dance and Eastern music. What first prompted me to pick up this CD was the beautiful photographed geisha on the album cover. I'm glad I did. The music on this album is beautifully composed and 100% original. Despite this originality, the familiar themes and tones make the listener feel comfortable through the album's duration. Dragon and Sword is one of my favorites because it reminds me of a traditional geisha fan dance song with a more Middle Eastern flair. Not only that, but it has a nice beat and is easy to bust a shimmy to. Ping Hing 
is a good opening number that could easily blend into another of the songs on the album with its slow and nondescriptive brevity. Kimono Mojo is by far my favorite song on the album because it has a Matrix S feel. The song lends itself to sensual movement that flows. It is amazing to dance to because of its slow buildup and pulsing fluidity. The entire album has the light electronic undertone that might make a more modern club dancer feel a little more comfortable than traditional belly dance music might. Accompanying that are traditional geisha instruments along with taku drums and pan pipes. The blend of instruments and techniques take the dual themes of Eastern and Middle Eastern and bring them together into one seamless whole. Solace is Jeremiah M. Soto, and Balance is one of the seven albums that has been put out by this effort. This departs from previous albums in a fashion that redevelops the artist's sound. The meshing of both the phoenix and the dragon make for a warm complement exemplary of their mythical counterparts. There is nothing about the album that is not powerful or beautiful. Even the song Miss and Me evokes a powerful image and stands out on its own. This album is definitely worth picking up if you enjoy a little kung fu with your shimmies. And for our first song of the week, we are going to go straight into Lola's favorite song off this CD, Como Mojo. Again, this is from the CD Balance by Solas.
So it's been a pretty quiet two weeks. We haven't got any emails or feedback, and that's okay. Uh, you guys deserve a break. You've been doing a good job answering all the questions of the week and everything. Uh, but just keep in mind, when you get ready, send comments, suggestions, or feedbacks to shimmycast at gmail.com. Post on the forum. There's been some people posting some good uh, suggestions of references and things lately, so you want to check that out. Um, you can get to the, to that from the blog at shimmycast.blogspot.com. Um, send us an audio. Feel free to vote. And if you haven't done so yet, stop by and sign up on the Frapper Map. So for this week, um, I asked Ryan to share with you guys an article on photography. Um, Ryan has kind of been um, waylaid into kind of becoming the photographer for my dance troupe. <laughs> he's he's such a supportive guy, you guys. He goes to all their performances, and he carries around dance bags and purses and, you know, tons of pairs of women's shoes. And then he somehow manages all that and goes around and takes the pictures for us. <laughs> and if you go to my troop website, he's taken most of the pictures on our website and I'm just really impressed with his photography. And let's face it, it's hard to take pictures of dancers because, you know, we're moving. <laughs> so here is Ryan with his article, The Guy's Guide to Taking Belly Dance Pictures. In honor of Valentine's Day, this is a special ShimmyCast feature aimed not at dancers, but at those who love them. Specifically, at those who love to take pictures of them. So ladies, if you have a shutterbug watching you shimmy, it's okay if you want to tie them down and make them listen to this segment. Those of you who have a significant other who belly dances know that we all tend to become kind of belly roadies. We hold a lot of purses and veils, we watch lots of piles of bags and shoes, but one thing we seldom mind doing is taking pictures of our dancers. Here's the thing though. Photographing belly dancers is hard. So in the interest of enriching the experience of belly dance photography, I'm offering you my very non-professional, casual photographer advice on how to deal with the problems we often run into while shooting belly dance pictures. First, there's lighting. To put it simply, the lighting is going to suck. Every. Single. Time. It's going to be dim, or it's going to be colored, or it's going to be smoky, or, heaven forbid, flashing, but it's never going to be very good. There are a few things you can do to help deal with weird dance lighting, though. If there simply isn't enough of it, you might want to try using flash. Flashes are tricky, though, since they can wash out colors and make everything look too bright and flat. Besides, the darkness is really part of the mood you want to capture. Personally, I try to avoid using my flash whenever possible, and when I do, I turn it down pretty low. If your flash is one that can be redirected, that might help too. For venues where the light is colored, you really only have two options. Embrace the weird tints as an artistic choice, or learn about white balance. If you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the dime store definition. Light is almost never really white, it has a tint to it. Our brains are really good at correcting for that tint and interpreting colors correctly. Think about how when you're wearing sunglasses, everything is tinted, but you can still tell the grass is green and the sky is blue. Our stupid cameras don't do that very well. To compensate for that, 
we can give our cameras an example of something that is genuinely white. Your camera will have instructions on how to set the white balance for your particular model, but you're still going to need something white. And a real pinch, a white wall, or a veil, or even a tent or a tarp or something will do. A white piece of paper is almost never going to work though. That's because most paper is bleached to a sort of ultra-whiteness that's great to read on, but too white to balance with. Ultimately, your best bet is going to be to go to a camera store and invest in a gray card. Why a gray card for white balance? I don't know. But they generally have black, gray, and white sections that will give your camera the best possible sample to balance against. They're not terribly expensive, and they come in a variety of shapes and sizes. In my case, I've chosen to embrace the artistry of weird colors in a lot of my pictures. For dim light, the easiest thing to do is increase your shutter speed, but that can be a tricky trade-off for dancers. Belly dancers are always moving, even when they're standing still, and too slow a picture will cause them to blur. Too fast a speed, though, will underexpose your picture. But blur isn't always bad. I've gotten some great shots of Anala that have really benefited from motion blur to give me a wonderful sense of her movement. That's good blur. Bad blur is when you're the one moving. Obviously the best way to compensate for that is to use a tripod. That isn't always convenient or desirable. Another good trick is to brace yourself against a solid object like a post wall or door frame. If none of those options work for you, then you're going to have to do it the old fashioned way. Stop holding your camera at arm's length while looking at the LCD screen. Plant the camera on your face, tuck your elbows into your ribcage, and look through your viewfinder. I know it's very 20th century, but it works great. You're never going to be able to hold your outstretched arms still enough to get a sharp photo in low light. Also, stop pushing the button. That can cause you to move too much at the vital moment. Instead, think about squeezing it. Those of you who shoot guns know exactly what I'm talking about. And while we're on the subject of squeezing your shutter button, you should have noticed by now that if you press the button down about halfway, your camera will find all the lighting and focus settings itself, then it'll wait until you press the button down the rest of the way to take the picture. If the dancer is moving too much for the camera to get its settings automatically, one trick is to pick a stationary, similarly lit object that's approximately the same distance away, and let your camera focus on that. Then, with the button still depressed, point the camera back at the dancer. It won't work every time, but it's a quick, easy workaround for non-pros like me. Giving your camera a chance to find all its settings before you're ready to shoot will dramatically cut down the delay between the time you try to take the picture and when you actually get it. You'll still need to anticipate movements, though, and the best way to do that is to prepare by watching the dancers practice their routines. That way you get to know when the great photo ops are coming and plenty of time to prepare for them. The timing can still be tricky, though, and I have hundreds of pictures I took of Anala right before or after a beautiful moment to prove it. Honestly, when it comes to camera settings, most of the time I just leave my camera on auto and don't worry about it. It's usually a lot smarter about things than I am. So what about your camera? First, if you're still using a film camera, stop it. No, seriously. The number one thing you can do to get more good pictures of the dancer in your life is to take lots more pictures, period. And I mean lots more. At ShimmyFest last year, I took 160 pictures in two hours. That kind of volume is just too expensive with film, especially since only about 40 of those turned out to be worth getting prints of. And personally, I consider a 25% success rate to be pretty good. If you've got the money and you think you really might want to get into photography, then a digital SLR is absolutely your best bet. They're fast, adjustable, support a wide variety of lenses, and so forth and so on. 
However, I'd encourage you to do some serious research before buying, and you should know that you're only going to get your money's worth if you're willing to really learn how to use it. Personally, I wasn't willing to learn how to use it, so what I shoot with is a Canon PowerShot S2IS. It's a great little 3 megapixel camera with a 10 power optical zoom and image stabilization. I chose it primarily because it has a good response time for a non-SLR, and it has a great zoom. That comes in really handy when I'm shooting from long distances, but it would be useless without the image stabilization. That's a feature that reduces the jitters from your hand when you're zoomed in, and it's a lifesaver. 3 megapixels really may not seem like much, but it's actually plenty for anything up to 5x7, and maybe even 8x10 depending on the lighting. Seriously, don't get hung up on megapixel count. Small pocket cameras are going to be really tough for dance photography, I think. For one thing, they're generally going to have a pretty small optical zoom. Don't pay any attention to digital zoom numbers. Basically, all digital zoom does is crop your photo and blow it up in camera. It doesn't really add any new information to the picture. Handy sometimes, but not usually what you want. Also, the smaller a camera is, the smaller its lens is going to be. And since the name of the game is getting light into your sensor, a bigger lens is going to be better. Small cameras will also likely have fewer adjustments for lighting and speed if you're into that, and they're probably going to like a mount for a tripod, which could be important. For most people who are semi-serious about photography, one of the high zoom cameras from Canon's PowerShot line or Nikon's Coolpix line will probably be a good model to start looking at. Olympus also makes some good cameras with high powered zoom lenses. You'll also want to invest in a big memory card. Look for one that's at least a gigabyte. If you have a 5 or 6 megapixel camera, then think about going up to, to a 2 gigabyte or whatever your camera and budget can handle. Basically, you want to be able to take as many pictures as you want at your camera's highest quality setting. You can always downsize or crop pictures later, but you can't make them bigger. Which brings us to how to manage your photos. If you're taking hundreds of pictures at a time, you'll need some way to organize them. If you're on a Mac, then you've got iPhoto and you've got it made. If you're on a PC, then I highly recommend the excellent and free Picasa. It's a photo organizer that Google purchased a couple of years ago, and you can find it at picasa.google.com. That's P-I-C-A-S-A dot google.com. Both iPhoto and Picasa will organize your images, keep them all sorted in folders and albums and what have you, as well as provide basic tools for touch-ups and corrections. The I'm feeling lucky button in Picasa often works wonders for otherwise mediocre photos. iPhoto's Enhance button performs similar functions. So just remember, think light, hold still, and shoot lots and lots of pictures. Now go out there and have fun photographing the belly dancer in your life. enjoyed that article on photographing belly dancers and share it with your loved ones that you drag to your performances that you want to take pictures of you so you can get better pictures of yourself. <laughs> and now it's time for the question of the week. What advice would you give to someone considering starting belly dance? Oh, I know. I know. Um, this just came to me um, as a good question. I, of course, we have like a, a very big list of questions of the week, but I was reading through it and th I saw this one and I thought, oh, I need to use this one because um, 
this week, um, my troop has started our classes again. Well, actually, last week was our first week of classes. And, of course, I'm getting tons of students coming up and asking for advice. <laughs> so I want to know what advice you guys would give to somebody who's just starting to get into belly dance. So to answer that, send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com or go to our form board at shimmycast.blogspot.com. And if any of you listeners are new, you can always answer previous questions. Finally, it's time for the second music pick of the week. This is a single called Peace by My Doe Project. And I got this from the podcast safe music network and i'd like to thank arabella at rocks radio for tuning me into this new great source for me to look for more music for the show and i hope you all enjoy it and until next time this is anala rabari saying shimmy on Thanks again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.